It's Monday, February 29, and you're listening to episode 36 of Roll Up and Die. Ha 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 ha. On my side. On my sides, I feel like I it just hurts. did that ab that abdomen workout where I tie the electricity <laughs> to my abs and it just works them out and I don't have to do anything. Is isn't isn't that torture not a workout? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, Alex, depends. have you ever worked out or kind of one and the same thing? <laughs> I, ha- I, feel- I have actually. I, I used to be really really into uh, uh, like going to the gym and weightlifting and not like ballets but like I, the gym i used to go to was was literally had no sign out front it was in a brick brick uh, warehouse building and you walk like down a set of steps in through a you know a doorway and and you know it's just you know basically you know rocks and and you know uh are you yeah. sure it Angels. wasn't a torture chamber like, it could have been, been. I, was, I was pretty naive at the time but uh <laughs> Oh, Wait man. a minute, that explains some things. No, no that I, that's the best kind of gym though, is like the like concrete bunker somewhere where you can yeah, just like yeah, everyone awesome. keeps to themselves, everyone's there to just yeah. lift weights and, and leave, and you don't get yeah. that like influx of like people for their New Year's resolutions in January right, right. like you would at like a, like oh, a YMCA yeah, the, or, these guys or LA was, Fitness or something like that. Yeah. These guys were so freaking hardcore and, and yeah. uh you know, there were ups and downs. You know, on on the downside you have to listen to a lot of people like Screaming every time they listen, like, on the flip side, <laughs> you yeah. know, once once you once you go for more than a week, they know you're not just you know fooling yeah. around. Then yeah. then you become part of their club, and and they right. and they kind of look out for you. So it's like they'll walk over and say, "Hey, you know, you if you do if you if you bend your arm this way, you know, you get a better workout. You'll build this up." It's like, "Oh, thanks," you know, and, and suddenly thanks, you're, you're you're part of the group all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like you're sitting there next to the free weights, and they're like, "Hey man, what can I hook you up with?" And you're like, "Oh, just give me the uh, give me the two tens there." Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> no, just no, starting no, out. Not two hundred. You know, just two tens. You know yeah. what? I'm feeling a little wily. Go and throw a two point five on each side. <laughs> <laughs> that little Although, weight. Oh my god, I've had a lot of fun like, with that little weight when I was a kid. <laughs> As in last Tuesday. Although, although I went I went a few times to Gold's Gym. Uh, you know that that that's a that's a chain of them. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, you know, got me a free pass. And the time I went, uh, I used to live in 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 Worcester, Massachusetts. And at the at uh, at during the time I went, there was uh, yeah, I don't know, it was, I don't know if it was one of the WrestleMania, but one of the big wrestling sort of events that that goes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, apparently, it was the going on that night, and and a few of the wrestlers came in to work out. And oh. one of them was uh, one of my niece's favorites, The Undertaker. Whoa! And, and and he like he like walks and starts working out next to me, and you know I, I'm six one. I'm not I'm not a small guy. You know I, I I never felt that small until I saw this guy standing next to me. He's like <laughs> seven eight, you know, and, oh, and, and 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 built built like the Hulk's you know big brother. <laughs> Jesus! No, I've seen what you look like, Alex. So I don't I don't think it would be that far fetched to imagine in my mind someone walking up to you while you're working out next to him and saying to you, "Oh my gosh, the Undertaker! Can you sign this for me?" And he's just like, 
who the hell is this guy? I'm Captain Gothnog. That's right. That's right. But no, I mean, the Undertaker was just, I mean, these wrestlers are just gigantic. <laughs> so, so oh, yeah. Wow. I remember uh, I was at a, a Seahawks game a while back. It was my first one. And mm-hmm. I there was this guy, uh, they were playing the Washington Redskins. And one of the opposing players was walking over near the stands because his mom was there. And he wanted to give her some tickets or something. And I'm, oh man, I, I get brave. So I shout, i got to give some tickets to your mommy. And I don't know if he didn't hear me, but either way, right after I said that, he actually, I realized how far away he was and he actually got closer and I was, and I saw how big this dude was yeah. He's freaking huge. And the guy behind me was like, you're a brave man in the stands. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not going to say it again. Oh, geez. Oh, man. That's uh, <laughs> hilarious, man. So before each episode, we actually kind of talk a, a little bit about in the, in the – talk a little bit in the Facebook chat that we have running about maybe some, you know, pre-recording topics that one of us might want to talk about. Like, you know, one time Matt said, oh, I have a story about, you know, my mm. apartment or, you know, my next-door neighbors. And today Alex has brought up a movie that he saw recently that I know I saw that – Matt, I don't believe you've seen Deadpool. Have not seen it. Have you not seen Deadpool yet? Oh man, no. it is it is fantastic. One I've of, heard it's good. I'm just I'm not a big ever. Deadpool guy. I'm not a big Deadpool guy. I got to be honest. Me neither. I've never read Deadpool. Uh, no, me either. Yeah. Movie. No, I'm, I'm, I wasn't until Ryan Reynolds picked it up and, and ran with it, and uh, he sold me on it. I mean, what? I, well, yeah. What I've heard about it is that it's not it's not just him making pop culture references just as jokes but it's actually like a legitimately funny movie it and is. i can get but be- i can get behind an r-rated superhero movie done mm-hmm. right so yeah. yeah i think it, yeah. it's only a good thing so i will end up seeing it i just i haven't seen it yet yeah <laughs> one of my favorite parts and this is this, this isn't really a spoiler it takes place early on is when uh uh deadpool is tr- it, the uh, the x-men are trying to recruit him and so so colossus is trying to drag him back to see uh you know, uh, uh, Professor Xavier. And uh, so he handcuffs him to him and he's dragging him along and he's like, uh, come, you're going to see the professor now. And he's like, uh, is, is, is McAvoy or Stewart? These timelines are so confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good, man. That's funny. Oh, and, my and, gosh. Yeah, this is just brilliant. There's a lot of moments like that, too. You know, and again, I won't spoil anything yeah. at all, but. There are a lot of moments where you'll have the character kind of look at the camera and talk to you, the audience, and it's like, this is awesome. It like, is. It, 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 and, and someone suggested online that uh, if if in the DVD or Blu-ray, Blu-ray release they don't have like a um, Mystery Science Theater kind of commentary with Deadpool, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it would be a crime because <laughs> yeah. it really needs to have Deadpool commenting on the movie. Dude, yeah, awesome. exactly. Not the director. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You, you need to have Deadpool, Deadpool actually commenting on his own movie. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> the fifth wall. <laughs> now, this doesn't have anything to do with movies, but I wanted to bring this up as banter since we're you know, yeah, throwing some banter in the mix. Sure. I got a paper cut today on a cardboard box, and it hurts real bad. But the worst part about it is it's right on my finger joint, but underneath it where it bends. Uh, so yeah. it will never close. 
I will have this until I die uh. old and ragged at 33. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst, man. That's they, the they, worst. They, they are. I mean, I, I've worked in, in advertising and printing my whole life. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am not a stranger to paper cuts by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But I can beat that as far as, uh, uh, you know, kind of wounds that oh. make you cringe. I'm sure you can, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I worked with someone. I, I don't know if I shared the story or not, but if I have, you know, maybe someone's not heard it yet. But, <clears throat> you know, we worked on these big light tables, and we work with X-Acto knives a lot. Oh, God. And so oh. um, this this woman, uh, she was leaning up toward the back of the light table. And this is a huge light table. So she was leaning way up for the light table. And the uh, her X-Acto knife got, like, braced against something. And the tip of the, the X-Acto blade went into her belly button. <laughs> What? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Oh, my, I just puckered yeah. everything I have. Yeah. Exactly. Your belly button just puckered. Yeah, I puckered my belly button. <laughs> oh, God. Just getting an exacto blade, this little oh, sharp point right in the belly man. button. Oh, man. Makes you cringe. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's like, horrible. It was. It was horrifying. I, now, you have not shared that. On roll up and die yet? I'm, I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> well, if you ever almost share that again, I will stop you in the middle of it and I'll say, "Nope, we've <laughs> Alex, heard this one. we've heard this one. God, don't need to hear it again." Please, please reference episode uh, thirty-six. Yeah. <laughs> please reference episode thirty-six. Uh, That's right. This is episode thirty-six. How crazy is that? Of roll up and die, your extreme RPG podcast. I should have done your extreme extreme. RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And my name is Barker from Be a Better Game Master. Hey. And today, hey, uh, hey, hey. Two intros? To, you know. That is not I, in your contract, mister. <laughs> oh, damn. I was, you know, I just, I was thinking today and, you know, I, this has nothing to do with anything <clears throat> that we just talked about. Anything at all. Right. But it just popped into my brain, and here it comes. Ready for this? Boom. We haven't done a lot of drinking game stuff lately. No, we That's haven't true. at all. We can't, The drinking game thing was, was big for the first, like, ten episodes, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside. I feel like we need new, updated drinking game rules. Yeah. Yes. Like, I went on a diet, dude, so hot and ready is... I don't know what that is. What is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I, I, I yeah I feel like someone out there needs to come up with some new updated rules and you can keep the old ones yeah. but add some new ones in there. Yeah, yeah, do that and and share it to our Facebook page and we'll talk about it in our next episode. Yeah. Uh because that, that, that could would be our next banter. Oh, it could be. Oh man, you're playing in the head. If I had a piece of paper, I'd write that down, but I'm just going to persuade myself that it wasn't worth remembering. <laughs> Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, the podcast that we're on. Yes, yeah, the everybody. Thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing that we're doing right here. This is the actually a, uh, what we decided to do was a part two episode of the previous episode that we did, 35, with mm-hmm. DBJ about extreme uh, environments and uh, like extreme weather. And it kind of expanded to more than that, like, you know, uh, battlefield environments and things like that. Yeah. And a couple things happened. First, we immediately realized that we wanted to do a part two, that there was more to talk about, um, that there was just, you know, there was just not enough in, in the allotted time for one episode. 
But also what happened is, and this is still happening, is on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash die. every week we'll post our topic and then you can post your questions there. And the one with the most likes will get answered. Now, first of all, there were four questions that were tied for the lead in likes. That's right. So we could only choose one. But also, we've had more questions posted since we recorded that episode. Yeah. Like every day. And I think we so, got one like yesterday. Yeah, we got one yesterday. I think God, we. I think honestly, we got one today. So <laughs> it's just people are like, I maybe we couldn't get enough of it. Maybe you couldn't get enough of it. But either way, this episode, episode thirty six, is part two of extreme environments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to throw it to Alex because yep. I know that you had a couple things that you wanted to bring up last episode um, that I think now would be a good time to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I, I, I mean. When you think of extreme, when you think of uh, well, uh, extreme environments, you think of of uh, you know weather, like you mentioned, but also uh, extreme environments like altitude is one. Um, being underground, I mean, when you think of being underground, you think of of uh, uh, you know people don't think of what it's like to be underground and away from the sunlight for 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 that long period of time. The claustrophobia that sort of fills in. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie that, uh, what was it called? The Descent? Oh, Descent. Oh, yep. <clears throat> I mean, that's an amazing movie. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie, which has, has uh, odd, you know, a, well, a rarity, which is an all-female cast. But also, I mean, I'm not a particularly claustrophobic person. But that made me, that movie made me feel claustrophobic. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I... when, when they were taught, when they were, uh, they were, they were traversing at one point between two cave systems. And they were going through this little tiny passage. Oh, yeah. And 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 at one point, this this rock sort of shifts and falls and and almost pins someone. And when you when you really sort of you know they they got you into this uh, this mindset where you really think about it, and you think of the amount of just mass around you that is just not going to move no matter how much you push on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's just yeah. it it creates this this tension in you that. You know, is 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 kind of cool if you can bring that into your role playing game. Yeah. Well, my question for you, Alex, mm-hmm. is how do you do that? Like, without saying, "All right, now roll a a wisdom saving throw or a constitution yeah. saving throw <clears throat> to to avoid being claustrophobic." I want to pretend you're the dungeon master or the game master here, or the storyteller, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I I want you to describe to me, or you know, how you would describe feeling claustrophobic or make me as a player feel claustrophobic yeah sure so i mean I, I, like when i think of it anyway uh what works for me is you just think of of the the just the like i said the massive of stone around you like you know uh, you're let's say you're let's say you're under a mountain and you're and you're going through this cave system and you're crawling through this tunnel and now the what you want to do is you want to uh, uh paint a picture for your players and so you know, it might be that, you know, you feel your shoulders kind of, you know, rubbing up against the wall with each movement you make. You have to kind of crawl with just your elbows. The as, as you're as you're crawling, your back is rubbing up against the 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 ceiling of this tunnel that you're going through. You know, your your legs are cramping. Um, the air is thick. It feels like you know, uh, you you know, you're breathing through, um, uh, you know, through a little box or something that you have over your face. The uh, you know, you, you hear others behind you sort of, you know, kind of uh, 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 breathing heavy and, and pushing along behind you. 
and then you reach a point where your shoulder sticks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, suddenly you, you, you can't push your shoulder any further and the other sort of bump into you. And now, now, now they're pressing against you as you stop and you're like, well, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. And, and, and you feel the, you know, just being pressed into this little narrow, narrow passage that you can't back up from. You've already traveled hours maybe crawling through this this little passage. And now yeah. you're wedged in there. Your your shoulders are pressed hard against your side. The, the, the rock is right against you. The rock is above you. You know there's, there's an entire mountain, you know, uh, uh, of thousands of feet of rock above you, you know, miles and miles of rock to the side and, and just, you know, bedrock beneath you. And you're just wedged in this little space with all these people behind you. And you may not be able to move forward, you know, kind of painting those sort of pictures. That's um, yeah, awesome. You I know, mean, that, wor- <coughs> that worked for it. me. That worked for me. I'm, I'm extremely <laughs> yep. claustrophobic, and that definitely uh, <laughs> my heart. My heart was going a little bit there. I was yeah. like, "Oh no, <clears throat> nope, not for all the gold in the mountain, man." Get me, get me out of here. Get me out of here. <laughs> and 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 the same thing can work though for any almost any any setting. You know, whether it's desert, whether it's uh, a jungle, whether it's uh, you know aquatic, aerial, whatever. You know, y- you can you can paint these pictures and. A lot of what it involves is a little bit of research on the GM's part to sort of look into what these environments are like. I, I now personally, I'm I'm a really big fan of of like survival uh, skills, and I like, you know, some of these a lot of these survival shows uh, where where you have people you know out in the wilderness, you know, trying to you know seeing what they can do to you know to to survive off the land that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I have I have a pretty good grasp of it, but. Um, even if you don't, looking into this and seeing what is involved in surviving in a desert, you know, what, you know, how, how hard is it to live in a desert? Um, even if you know what you're doing, but if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, it's, it's, you know, a thousand times worse, you know? So, I mean, really, uh, doing a little bit of research to see what these environments are like can help you as a GM sort of paint this very vivid and immersive picture. I like yeah. that, man. Absolutely. That, well, and I think we, we touched upon it last episode, too, where we talked about drawing upon what you know and your experiences that you've had. And yeah. for something for something as visceral as that, it's like, you know, everyone's been trapped somewhere or been caught in a tight space or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we all play D&D, so chances are we've been stuffed in a locker or uh, otherwise <laughs> similar small space. It's like draw upon those feelings, those emotions that you felt and, and use that in your game and, you know, use what you know to convey those kind of feelings mm-hmm. of panic and terror and the, and the need for survival and things like that. Yeah, and and to, to take that a little further, Matt, I would do something very specific. Uh, if you're listening, I would think about the last time you were in a storm or some sort of maybe not crazy weather. I mean, if you were in crazy weather, awesome. If you were in a hurricane or a tornado or whatever, that's awesome. But definitely think of the last time, the, the, your environment was a factor. Yeah. Maybe there were three feet. Maybe there was three feet of snow on the ground. Maybe there was just a huge rainstorm, like Matt described in the last episode, where he, mm-hmm. he kind of had to pull over his car because yeah. uh, it was just too much. Think about that time and start a game. Start a campaign or a one-shot game in that weather. Just yeah. and, and like Matt said, focus all your effort on harnessing your experience in that in that first session and just look just observe how seamless that session will be mm-hmm. because you know what it's like you know 
you know, what's going to happen when the players say, oh, I'm going to try to pull my car over. You know, you know exactly the obstacles they're going to run into. You know, yeah. you can't see out the rear mirror, et cetera. Like, <clears throat> right. And it's just you watch that happen. And I think that goes with everything, not just weather, you know, pull in your experiences. Yeah. Well, and even if you haven't experienced it, it doesn't take it. It doesn't take a lot to sort of of create that experience, even for yourself. No, absolutely. Uh, uh, like, uh, I, th- I think you said it, Barker, where you pick, you know, uh, a few important things from a setting that will paint the whole picture for them. You yeah. know, like in a desert, the heat is like just, you know, is like being in an oven. The, the, the moisture is being sucked out of your body. So you, 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 your, your skin is dry. Your tongue, uh, you know, feels like, a, you know, a strange you know, uh, an alien thing in your mouth because it's it's dry and, and cracking, you know, um, yeah, you know, in a, in a desert situation, in a swamp, you've got insects just constantly, constantly buzzing around your head and, and biting you, and you're constantly swatting them away. Your feet are, are soaking wet, and so you know your your uh, uh, you know your feet are just sensitive from all the moisture just uh, soaking into them and and. Uh, you know, maybe you have leeches on you, and and so you know, every environment you're in has a few really key things that almost everyone can relate to. Everyone's had wet, you know, wet shoes. Everyone's had, you know, just been in a situation where, the, you know, the, the mosquitoes just won't leave them alone. And God damn it, why don't they, why won't they go away? You know, <laughs> yeah. or, um, you know, maybe they've been trapped in this in this little contained space for a long period of time. Whatever it happens to be. There, there are things that you can tap into that almost everyone can sort of relate to. And so with even just a few, you know, deft uh, lines of description, you can sort of, you know, push, you know, kind of push these these uh, these feelings on people. And it doesn't have to all be done at once. You can sort of, sort of describe little things as you go. But, you know, uh, thinking about the, the important bits and getting, getting mm-hmm. people to sort of... Uh, understand what that might feel like for them right that reminds me matt of your rule of three yeah you know yeah Yeah. pick three things and really focus on those three things uh in you know in very visceral ways right Mm -hmm. well and and then i mean that's the same sort of principle where it's like you know trust your players imaginations because everyone has a very you know vivid imagination even if they don't feel like they do and so if you give them enough to get that to get the engine going you know what i mean like they mm-hmm. fill in the blank spaces with their imagination and honestly mm-hmm. most of the time you know the things that your players come up with in their heads it's like you could never describe it adequately <laughs> enough for them as a gm you know so yep. yeah yeah exactly it's almost like reading a book and then seeing the movie version and being like that's yeah. not who i envisioned playing yeah. that person <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh gosh well like right now i'm, I'm working on on a supplement about mountains and, um, you know, one of the things that people don't think about mountains is just p- simple breathing, you know, being, you know, being in high altitude, you know, everything you do is so much harder, you know, you're, you're, you're short of breath, you know, so even just normal walking, it, it's as if you just run a marathon, um, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, oxygen deprivation and low pressure. Uh, just just cause you know dizziness and disorientation and and once you get up to higher altitudes just you know it, it there's a there's actually a, a a range around i think it's like eighteen thousand feet called the death zone 
Right. And you know, oh, what, what I you, wonder what that's like. Yeah, it's like that. That's where all the birthday parties happen. <laughs> Sounds nice, man. <laughs> it's like oh, that. No. So I have a timeshare in the death zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once you get up uh, above that point, you either you have oxygen to 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 help you get along, or you're going to die soon. So either way, yeah. I mean, there, there was a mountain climber, uh, and he's been up Everest like four or five times like that. And he is suffering from, uh, you know, a, a form of altitude, uh, altitude sickness that actually kind of shrinks his brain a little bit. It it, it, ca- it causes, you know, atrophy is in his in his brain, and it's like, wow, why would you ever go up again? <laughs> you know, it's like hey, you've man. done it, man. You've climbed Everest. I mean, that, that's a Bukowski check, quote. Check, you gotta, check it off your check it off your bucket list. You're done. Stop you doing. Fi- <laughs> you got to find what you love and let it kill you, Alex. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, be drunk with hookers if I'm going to die that way. But, I mean, you know, everyone has their own thing. Yeah. You know, climbing Everest, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> climbing Everest, drunk with hookers, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Six to one, half dozen to the other, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you got to do to get yourself high. That's man. right. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you guys want to take a question? Yeah, I think yeah, let's, yeah. We let's uh, let's hit some questions, man. Awesome. I'm just gonna go down the list. <clears throat> Michael L. Mike L. Mike, the baller, Le Shammer, the Piper, the Piper, the Sniper, <laughs> Little Bo Piper. Okay. <laughs> what would you do with natural disasters such as tornadoes, avalanches, or sandstorms during combat encounters? Mechanically speaking. Oh man. I actually, it's funny, I actually, I forgot that I actually answered this question uh, like last week or something. Um, This guy who's asking the question actually ran a really awesome game Mm -hmm. at BrigadeCon 2050 called Fiasco on the Silver Silver Dragon Dragon Express. Express. Yeah, Fiasco on the Silver Dragon Express, and he had an avalanche in that game. While we were on a train, man. While we were on a train, it was a fiasco. Like, uh, let's just be clear right here. If you want to watch a fiasco, you watch that game. Yeah. And if you search that on YouTube, you can watch it right now. It's so good. Yeah. And my my favorite part was the avalanche Mm -hmm. that appears there because that was the first time I ever encountered a natural disaster inside of a game. Yeah. And I immediately got goosebumps. Like, oh crap! It 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 provided so, so more more than anything else, it provided opportunities to be awesome. Because the yes. train gets hit with an avalanche and is on its side, sliding down a mountain, and we come up out of the train with our guns, because there's guns in his setting, and we come up out of the train and we're riding the train down sideways, having a gunfight on top of it as it's going down this mountain <laughs> in an avalanche. And it's like, yeah, dude, that was awesome. Like, I didn't feel, I, I felt like it was dangerous, obviously, because we're on a train going sideways down a mountain. But I also <laughs> felt like, okay, this is my time to be an action hero. That's like, right. This is my moment right. to shine. Guys, this is dangerous. We <laughs> Guys, shouldn't don't be go on up, this Don't train. go up on top of it. Stay don't, inside. Don't try this at home. <laughs> well, oh, man. well, I think one of the things that immediately comes to mind is that most of these things, if not all of them, should feel like they're out of the character's hands. Yeah. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not going to stop uh, uh, an avalanche. You're not going to stop a hurricane. You're not going to stop a tornado. You're not going to stop any of these things, you know, yeah. just by sheer will. They're going to happen. There's some, there's some magic that might be able to stop it. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe if you're twentieth level, then then yeah. No, know, no, you, you I'm not talking work. magic missiles. You know, I don't <laughs> care how many magic missiles you fire at it. <laughs> that thing's coming at you. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, so first you, you you have to you want to create the sort of atmosphere that that this is a big deal that this is something that they have little control over, you know, because yeah. that that's that's what it's like. I mean, I, we had a, I mean. <laughs> It, it 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 sounds kind of silly, probably to other to people living in other parts of the country. But up in Maine, uh, a number of years ago, we had a tornado within a mile of our yurt. And if you live in a yurt, a tornado is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> now it was only an F zero, so it wasn't like a, a massive tornado. But if you're if you're in a yurt, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I I remember standing at the door. My wife and kids were were behind you know she she was with the kids we had our cat in a cat carrier because you know we're not gonna leave our cat behind and i'm and i'm I'm looking out the door and i'm watching for this thing to see if if the trees start like shredding near our house and there's there's a there's a ditch that we can get to and i remember the feeling of that is just being completely helpless i'm watching trees on the other side of the clearing just like turning like at a 45 degree angle almost you know uh, uh twisting over on their side and i'm like you know, just just the my heart's pounding and the adrenaline going through me, and it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have, I don't want to bring my family out into this ditch. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it's not going to hit us, but at the same time, if it's going to, we need to get there because we'll die otherwise. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a tough, uh, I mean, it, it's a powerful feeling. You know, and, I, and I've had that. That is amazing. I I described the hurricane in the last episode. Yeah, that yeah, is the exact same feeling that yeah. I had. Helpless, yeah. man. Like, there's nothing you can do. Like, you are right. at the will of Mother Nature, and Mother Nature is pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. exactly. But as far as mechanics go, like, uh, like the question said, it really depends on the situation. And yeah. you know, with with, uh, with cinematic environments, that's what you know, DBJ and and myself and and uh, Rob Davis are are actually trying to do, which is sort of come up with, um mechanics that suit the situation you know in other words if you're like look at an avalanche the the the, the supplement we just came out with uh, arctic environs has a, has actually has avalanche in it so right. you have to think of you know you know are you going to get hit by this this uh this snow and what's going to happen to you you're going to get knocked you're going to get thrown aside you're going to get pushed by this if you get buried you've got a limited amount of time to get out of there before you either freeze to death or suffocate, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and and these are all things that um, then they're, they're not necessarily instant death, but they're 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 immediate threats that you need to start doing something about immediately. And you some know? of them are instant, you know. I well, mean, they can be, yeah. I mean, especially yeah. if you're, you know, <laughs> in the wrong place at the wrong time or make a bad decision. Yeah. You know. And tor- you know, when I think of tornado, if you get sucked up into a tornado, I mean, there's a lot of heavy shit in that tornado that's yeah. about to hit you, you know. And, and so that reminded me of something that DBJ said in the last episode. Um, don't treat the encounter or the uh, the disaster, the, the tornado or the avalanche or sandstorm, don't treat it like it's a character. Like, all right, I'm on a roll to see if you get hit with this thing. Yeah. Dude, just treat it like it's the environment and it's trying to kill the character. Yeah. So. Um, have the characters do dexterity saving throws. Give them alternate ways out, and have them all uh, lead. All those alternate ways lead to different obstacles caused by this thing. Because no matter what they do, they're going to have to deal with it, or at least try to escape it. 
and yeah. they'll only fully escape it after a series of obstacles that they've uh, finished uh, getting over, getting through. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's definitely a different level of encounter than um, than most people are accustomed to, and 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 it can enhance an encounter. I mean, uh, I think we talked about this in the last episode as well, where you know, um, you know, you can just have an you know a bunch of orcs attack the party. But if now they're attacking during a thunderstorm, if they're attacking during an earthquake, or if this is happening when a tornado is approaching, or any of this stuff, it it, it suddenly becomes you know a a a bigger deal. Now you've not only got to worry yeah. about these orcs, but you've got to worry about this event happening that now is going to affect the orcs. It's going to affect you equally. It's indiscriminate. <laughs> you know, right. it's yeah, going to yeah. kill you both. Yeah, it doesn't care. Yeah, it's I like think, what, what would you call oh, the great equalizer last time? Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like yeah. everyone's on an even footing because we're all in this shit right now. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's awesome. Um, next question that we had from last week, mm-hmm. if you guys want to jump forward, yeah, yeah. Uh, is from Bradlin, and she asks, "What sort of fun roleplay flavor could occur when certain races, like fantasy races, are exposed to harsh environments? Ooh. For example, what happens when forest gnomes are plopped in the deserts for the first time, yeah. or mountain dwarves are plopped in the middle of the ocean?" And that <laughs> that reminds me actually of something Alex just said about the desert. You know, chapped lips, tongue is you know looks like Death Valley, Nevada. You know, it just really. <laughs> terrible things yeah but make them happen to the one creature one character and everyone else is fine yeah like and it's just like this isn't that bad it's like are you kidding me it's so dry here <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh come on gnome that actually you know? that question actually reminds me of i don't know if either of you guys read the comic book series elf quest yeah but oh, yeah. in that yeah in that series the the forest elves are driven from their home it like burns down and they escape through this cavern and they like walk through the cavern for days and days and they come out the other side and it's like an endless desert and so they're like forest elves like riding around on wolves and they're like what the hell like we've never seen a desert before this sucks <laughs> this and blows. Uh, but they end up meeting up with desert elves and end up like you know, meeting other elves for the first time, and they didn't know that there were any other elves in the world. So it's kind of a cool, like, you know, that kind of fish out of water type thing, where it's like take yeah. take uh, creatures that you're you know used to seeing in one area mm-hmm. and put them in something entirely different. And that's that's a way that you can actually not just like oh our forest burned down and now we're in the desert, but put something where you wouldn't think that they would be like the the PCs are out on the water and they see a bunch of dwarven pirates mm. like on a dwarf you know ironclad dwarf <laughs> pirate ship and it's like whoa wait what are you dwarfs doing out in the ocean like you guys sink like rocks what is this this is this crazy is right? yeah so that's always kind of a fun way to kind of turn tropes on yeah. their head a little bit too so yeah well and it can be part of their culture too i mean i i had a uh, um a character in one of my games that the player decided that because his druid was uh, one who worshipped a, a sky deity, um, decided that it was a, um, uh, what's I'm looking for, like a, a, a sin or, or a, um, a taboo to go underground. Oh. And, and at one point he was compelled to go underground to rescue a friend. And so it, it, it began this, this whole series of, of uh, conflicts with his deity. But... You know, it it was it was cool to sort of build that into his uh, into his character, and it didn't occur to me till now. But you could have 
things where they could have, um, uh, you know, taboos surrounding certain environments or superstitions surrounding them, you know, where, you know, if, if they're not accustomed to a desert or if they're not accustomed to a jungle, it can affect them not only physically, but also, you know, in character, since that's kind of what we're, we're addressing. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, a, a really, you know, it, there's not much difference between having an extreme environment affect all the players and just uh, specifying which character this environment is affecting. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you just make it affect one character, whether it's, again, weather, whether it's some other environment that's just affecting this one character, that can, number one, create great character development. But number two, it also kind of sets this mood where, oh, man, this one person is not good in this environment (laughs) or they're very good in this environment. Right. Uh, One of the examples I'm thinking of is um, the uh, Tim's character in The Provokers, Durgan and and Braswick a bit, uh, though not as much because he was a hill dwarf. But Durgan is a, a mountain dwarf in Stone Rift. It's just like he's at home. Yeah. And on the contrary, Erdan, the elf. Uh, Nate's character is just freaking out the entire time. He's underground. Right. He's claustrophobic. Yep. He hates everything, and he it affects his personality. So, yeah. not you don't have to be the only one to take charge of these changes, GM. You know, have your players have fun with that too. Yeah, yeah. Also, Aradon was under the influence of a uh, evil artifact at that point as well. So he was <laughs> he was yes. super bitchy about that entire situation. Dude, he <laughs> was just not having it. You're not having any of it. Yeah, exactly. Just like oh, I got an evil freaking Sauron's <laughs> ring telling me that it can see me. It's got I got I'm underground. This sucks. There ain't no toilets here in Stone Roof that that fit a tall elf. <laughs> The urinals are all like I'm in an elementary school, man. This is terrible. <laughs> well, and, well and, and you can also think, you know, encourage players to sort of think of their, their set, their, their native uh, environment uh, to, to, to um, develop uh, social concepts. For example, if a character lives in a desert or if they were raised in a desert, then to them water would be you know something sacred to them absolutely it, yeah. it would be uh you know yeah. uh, uh, something sacred in in a way that we can't imagine <clears throat> but if they That's if they end idea. up in a situation where water is plentiful they would not only be you know uh, uh puzzled by everyone's kind of casual use of water but they would be in awe of the amount of water available to them you know so uh, that sort of thing where they're the environment they're raised in suggests certain cultural um, perceptions. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the example of the, the the person that's from a desert believing water is sacred. So when they see someone just pigging out and spilling wall- water all over them, they're going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Or like, or like splashing water on their face, just like, psh, you know, splashing water on their face and moving on. It's like, dude, yeah. are you, uh, you just going to splash water in your face and let it go on the ground? What are you doing? You kidding me, idiot? <laughs> or, or if they, or if, they, or if they see an ocean for the first time, they're going to be just, yeah. you know, in 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 this sort of ecstatic state of, you know, they're going to fall to their knees and just like, Pray. oh my, I can't, I can't believe this. This is literally something that that goes beyond their experience in every way. Yo, yes, exactly, exactly. 
So, uh, continuing down the line yeah. of questions. David G. asks, whether it's an endless scorching desert, blizzardy mountain pass, <laughs> irradiated wasteland, or whatever, mm-hmm. how do you make your players feel alone, helpless, insignificant? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've started, step one, you've started by becoming a game master. Yeah. And cut off from the rest of the world without making it boring or drag on like they're effectively walking in a straight line to their destination and trying to not die from exposure. Mm. So, I, I I mean, yeah. How do, you, how do you guys make your players feel alone, helpless, insignificant, and cut off, uh, like, I think, uh, in survival mode yeah. Yeah. without, A, just kind of zipping over it and letting time pass, uh, or, B, turning it into a bunch of skill checks? Well, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like uh equipment or supplies bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. But in a situation like that, it can actually make sense. Yeah. You know, like in, uh, and again using the the an extreme of a desert. You know, if you're crossing this vast desert and you know you only have x amount of water and if you ration it, you're going to have this, you know, this effect you know, uh, both a, a descriptive effect that the GM, you know, imparts in his description, but also a mechanical effect in that, you know, you get, I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, some exhaustion or, you know, whatever. There's, there's, a, there's a tangible effect on the character as you're crossing this digit, you know, if you don't have enough water. And so, yeah, um, I think, you know, the supplies can help to create that depending on your situation. Um yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not a big fan of having people like tick for tack, keep track of your arrows. Yeah. But I am a big fan of telling characters or players, you realize you only have two arrows left. Like, right. just throwing that at them, you yeah. know, after a combat or something. Uh, you real, you know, you take a swig from your canteen and you realize that you've just finished off your water. Yeah. And just saying that. And then that paves, the, that opens the door to some checks yeah you know every once in a while hey give me a constitution check just to see how you're doing without any more water because you've been walking for a while and and it kind of opens the door to that sort of mechanic based thing uh without making it seem okay everybody time to look up the rules and roll some dice yeah it's well it's one of those things where like if you if it's not going to add to the game if it's not going to add to the tone mm, then you shouldn't do it but if if you're running like you guys are talking about like a survival a survival mode game or a survival mode session then keeping track yeah. of those things is important. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I've played in in the game Desolation before, which is uh, a ubiquity system, and it, it really has a different mindset to it. When we were, um, you know, traveling across, de- now this is a a fantasy setting that has been devastated by an apocalypse. You know, everything's been wiped out. There's no cities left, really. There's just survivors. It's post-apocalyptic fantasy, and. <clears throat> And so when we would kill something, you know, it wasn't about looting the body for gold. It was about get get the meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're hungry. We don't have any food. You know, mm-hmm. when when we when we found this ruin, it wasn't oh let's check for hidden treasure. It's like, look, there's there's a there's water pouring out of this wall. Let's get some. You know, so yeah. it, it created a different mindset. And if you can create that mindset in your game, then you know, the, the, I think the players will naturally go there. Once they realize that, you know, finding water is more important than finding a chest of gold, or once they find out that, uh, 
you know, uh, finding shelter in a, in a blizzard is more important than, you know, picking up that chest that fell, you know, down, down the ravine, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. then you've, then you've achieved what you're looking for, which is to make that environment, you know, uh, a real tangible thing to them, make it immersive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that a lot for sure. Um, Matt, have you ever, Oh yes, you have. I almost asked you a question. I knew the answer to. <laughs> have you ever run a game that was survival oriented? Uh, yeah, you played in it. Yeah, dope. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'm uh, such a dope. <laughs> yeah, I I've been running. Uh, well, so far I've only run one game in the setting, but I've been I've been working on it for a while. It's a setting called Kror, and it's kind of mm. like a Dark Sun, like Conan the Barbarian, heavy metal inspired kind of world where oh, nice. everyone's kind of scraping out a living on this world that is dying because. Uh, they decided to kill the gods and the world is kind of cursed. And um, <laughs> so that kind of sucks, but yeah, Barker, you played in that game. And, and uh, I think, I think, sucks. I think, uh, you know, the big thing with it is uh, trying to balance mechanics and role play where it's like, yeah. I can, I can describe to you the heat of the sun on your back and how long you've been walking and how dry your mouths are and how you've just, you know, tapped the last couple drops of lukewarm stale water out of your canteen and, (laughs) you know, start the game. And then I follow that up with you all begin the game with one level of exhaustion, you know, and just kind of drive that point home with using the mechanics as that tool. And then the other instance that I can think of is like, uh, I, I, you guys are in this area and you have to defend it for a certain amount of time from these, you know, savage tribes that are living in these mountains. And I list off the assets that you have. And just leave it up to you guys to decide what you're going to do with that. It's like, okay, you've got obsidian over here. You've got shrubs over here. You've got wood and you've got bones. And you guys are like, all right, we want to, we want to chip off some of the obsidian and use the wood and the bones. And we want to make some javelins. And we want to yeah. use the weeds. We want to bundle that up and, and use it for lighting fires. You know, it's like listing off the assets that you have. And the assets are like grass you know <laughs> like wood yeah. that's all you literally all you have uh, you're playing settlers of Catan. yeah exactly <laughs> hey bro you got yeah, any sheep no, over there i got planet. some brick i got some brick uh yeah, yeah. two brick for one sheep yeah anyway but <laughs> two brick for one obsidian <laughs> yeah, anybody, yeah. Anybody, but, th- but that's what you're looking for you're looking to create that point where where the players realize the situation and start to think in those terms i mean yeah. i i've uh it just made me think of a situation where um a GM started me out. Uh, it was it was a we started at first level, and we started out in the hold of a of a ship that was a slave ship, and nice. uh, uh, my character was a thief. That tells you how far back it was. It was uh, before they had the rogue, quote right? <laughs> it was back <laughs> when they were back in the back when they were thieves, and uh, you know, so there were rats in the build. So I ended up killing a rat. And and taking out its bones and like carving its bones into a re- very crude lockpicks, so that I could, you know, uh, 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 you know, start picking the shackles that sort of thing. That's so amazing. It, That's sweet. But that but that but that was that that was what was cool about it, which was. <clears throat> you know, starting out in the situation where you've got absolutely nothing, and that's that's one of the biggest, um, I, I suppose, advertisements I could I could make for why it's really fun to start out your character you know the, your players at you know zero or first level because they have they, they have to start out with nothing you know they right. have to start out with you know they've got clothes they've got you know uh, uh you know a, a, a hunting knife and and uh 
you know, maybe a few odds and ends, but maybe um, a shoe. <laughs> a single shoe. Just, just one. one. Just one shoe. <laughs> one single because shoe. If the you. game master is generous, one shoe. <laughs> and it's a it's a crock. Okay, let's be honest. It's a crock. <laughs> Good luck. Godspeed. Godspeed. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think but, Yeah, I'll so, go ahead. No, no, no I was just gonna say, yeah. So that that <clears throat> you know, it, it doesn't have to be an ex, you know that extreme a situation to make the 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 players feel like it's extreme to them, you know. Right. Yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're standing or sitting at your table and you're running a game and you're thinking, "Man, I really want to make it wintry or I want there to be a hurricane or something like that." Like let's say you mm-hmm. want it to be a blizzard, a huge blizzard, and and you just can't think of a way to describe it effectively. Yeah to the players like we're kind of talking about, there's nothing wrong with saying, all right, guys, this is the coldest day you have ever experienced. This blizzard is coming in. The snow's pouring down. And one by one, we're going to go around the table, and I want you to describe your character and describe how this weather is making not only your character feel, but also how they're affecting you physically, how it's affecting you physically and just go around and then you'll get inspiration with what the players came up with and that's stuff for you to run with. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's awesome. Because everyone's been through extreme situations in, you know, for them at least. And that's all you really need. You don't need to make them feel like, you know, they're near death, but you know, yeah, but certainly everyone has been through, you know, a hard, a hard situation at one time or another. Right. And so yeah. by tapping into that, you can sort of uh, have them imagine their own difficulties. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot. I like I like the players having an agency over their past and over their present and, and yep. what they're feeling. But there's so much out there that people can sort of, you know, reference. You know, there's a lot of survival shows. There's a lot of, uh, 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 you know, books on... on you know, extreme situations. There was a, uh, there was a story that was made into a movie about a guy who went hiking and, and got his arm trapped and, and was there for like th- three or four days. I believe it was a uh, 140 uh, something hours. Yeah. That's how long he was. Yeah. There. Yeah. Cause that's the title of the movie. Exactly. And, and, and he ended up cutting off his own arm to, uh, to, to, to get free. Right. 127 and, hours. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was it. But, <clears throat> Real, but true poor, story too. Poor James but, the, but, but there's there's a lot of stories out there like that. You know, you can read about yeah. the 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 expeditions that went up to the 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 uh, the Antarctic for the first time, and and uh, you know, look up. Uh, you know, Google is your friend. You know, yep. look up these stories and 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 read about them. And and a lot of people wrote in journals about their experiences, and steal them <laughs> you know don't yeah. you know you're, you're not you're not you're not uh worried, you know you don't have to worry about copyright infringements here you're you, you're playing for your group so steal Absolutely. these phrases and stuff that they use to describe their situation and yes. use that on your players because they're gonna you know that uh the people who are in those situations are going to describe them in ways that you might not even think of mm, right yep for sure I, i'm i am all for using the the this device that we all have now that fits yeah. in our pocket and can access the 
near infinite amount of human history and knowledge instantaneously. Like I <laughs> use that phone, Google it, Wikipedia it. Yeah. You know, you want to know more about how universities were in medieval times? Look it up because yeah. you can find that info for sure. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, so we've answered a bunch of questions today, and we definitely got through the ones that had the most likes previously. So I hope that this uh, this episode satiated your appetite. Is that right? Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Satiated. Sated? Satie. Satiated. Actually, I think the word is sated, but yeah. that's right. Yeah. Sated. Yeah. Sated. That No, that's a goat man. No, that's sater. <laughs> I know. I'm sated. just kidding. I oh. knew what it was. I knew oh. what it was. I was just being silly. Dude, oh. silly's my final form, bro. Gaff me. <laughs> this my... is my final form. <laughs> my one true method. You, you just gaff me right in the belly. <laughs> oh, With the exacto knife of sarcasm. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, good grief. All right, so this is what I want us to do yeah. uh, right. for this idea that you can steal. Do it. And this is... You know, it, it's. I think it's going to be okay if this has nothing to do with extreme <laughs> environments because we already did one. But I just got this idea because okay. of what, what, Alex, you just recommended oh, people geez. do. Yeah. I want you all to go to Wikipedia mm-hmm. and probably the English version. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, no, I, I know. Okay, okay, okay. And basically, I want you to click on any one of those you know, did you knows or on this day or in the news Mm. things like to go to a certain Wikipedia article. And I want you to quick like bunnies, pick something out of it uh, to use in a game. And we're going to try to build off of each other. This is not going to be easy, but we're doing it. Okay. So, So I'm going to click on my thing. So let me know when you guys are clicked. So wait, what am I clicking? I'm at Wikipedia. What am I doing? So you click on English, uh-huh. right? Uh, unless you want to uh, go to the Japanese version. That's no, totally I don't think so. No. Uh, and then, you know, you see that, like, did you know section and uh, in the news. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, click on any one of those blue links to take you to a, a single Wikipedia page. Okay, cool. And choose one. And when you're clicked, sure. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to go around and hopefully build off of each other's citations. That might be a little difficult. But at the very least, we're going to come up with our own things. So the first thing is Matt, because we're going to go Matt, Alex, myself. Okay. So Matt, what are we starting with? Uh, so I closed my eyes and clicked on the page. And the first thing I got to was uh, featured content, which was on the sidebar. And I managed to click on the sidebar. So I tried again, and I got plutonium, because apparently on this day <laughs> in uh, 1941, plutonium was first chemically identified by Ooh. chemist Glenn T. What is that? Glenn T. Seaborg and his team at mm-hmm. University of California, Berkeley. So it's so, like my NPC is going to be named Glenty. Yeah, and he's a so, cyborg. Uh, he's a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So plutonium. Uh, so my, I mean, my, 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 and my gut reaction is to go with uh, somebody in a medieval fantasy world discovers a uh, a new resource a new source of power it is dangerous and volatile but it is incredibly powerful and efficient and the discovery of this resource whatever it might be uh 
immediately puts this uh, this town, this city that he's from on the map and immediately gives them an edge in a uh, war that they're involved in with a neighboring city or kingdom. Awesome. <clears throat> Dope. All right, Alex, you're one through six. I'm seven through 12. That is 10. So I'm going to go next. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I clicked on Ankara, which is the capital city of Turkey. Um, and I clicked on it on purpose, uh, because I actually don't know too much about Ankara other than, Sweet. uh, it's, uh, a name of a region in the board game diplomacy, which is my favorite board game. So, um, <laughs> very cool. Or Ankara, Ankara, not entirely sure. Hold on. I'm going to, I'll, I think it is Ankara. 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 I, I clicked on the listen button and it ah. pronounced it Ankara. So, uh, Ankara uh, was known for its pears, honey, and grapes. And it was a very important commercial and industrial city. But basically, based on the knowledge that I got from Matt, I'm going to say that this resource actually comes from the honey of a magical, like a an arcane-infused wasp. Oh, cool. Even though wasps, we know, don't make honey. But oh, cool. wasps are way more badass than bees. So, <laughs> yeah, wasp honey... <laughs> creates this uh this sort of chemical this sort of compound that is um being used or that is creating all of this commotion and um and yeah and that's going to be my thing so dude awesome all right awesome and oh i rolled off the table so i gotta do it again (coughs) alex oh oh wait no 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 captain gothnock sorry oh lucky me um (laughs) (laughs) i happen to click on cyclone cyclone winston so a cyclone. So <clears throat> I thought that was the name of a superhero or something. <laughs> cyclone Winston, ma'am, here to save your cat. No, it's a Category oh, Five geez. storm that made landfall in Fiji. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So so this all, all this material, has, has, this volatile material, has been gathered into a uh, um, uh, a, a, a a storage. Um, building on the coast <clears throat> and and this this cyclone is coming in and as as the waves begin to 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 build and and, and smash into the cliffs and and the, the winds pick up the uh uh the facility is in jeopardy and and if this stuff if this stuff uh is released in into the you know if the, the if the building shatters and these these uh, the vessels that contain this material are released into the world you know in, into the environment, it's going to be disastrous. It's going to cause uh, not only environmental but perhaps uh, arcane um, uh, catastrophes that they can they can spread far and wide. Oh, so the 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 this storm sort of pressing in with uh, 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 the cliff sort of breaking even beneath this tower that that are let's say is uh like right on the uh, on, on a set of cliffs and the storm is so intense that it's actually like eroding some of the sand and some of the cliffs falling away oh my gosh a- add in the fact that if <clears throat> if the if the cyclone does pick up this honey it's going to carry it all the way into the atmosphere yeah and and throw in a cult or something that believes that this cyclone is being sent by an evil deity and their goal is to ensure that it can that this honey is <clears throat> is thrown into the cyclone. So their uh, their 
that which they worship uh, can return and bring a new era of darkness and death upon the earth. Nice. All because of honey, man. All because of honey, man. <laughs> All because of wasps. Those things are bitches. They are. Ah. Uh. <laughs> well, there you have it, everybody. Wikipedia, just random. I mean, you don't you don't need more than a sentence to come yeah. up with something inspiring or different. Have fun with it. You know, you don't Absolutely. have to say, "I want a city like Ankara," so I'm gonna look up Ankara. You could do that, obviously, but. I mean, just, you know, pears, honey, and grapes, baby. Pears, honey, and grapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode 36 of Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful Be of a Dice. Better Game Master. And my name what? is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. I don't know. And, and my uh, name is Matt from A Fistful of the Game Masters, Gothnog. <laughs> My name is Barker from Be a Better Fistful. No, don't do that. God. No. no. <laughs> what the Just the slightest rearranging of the words, and it went so horribly wrong. <laughs> and you made, it, you made it dirty. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThruRPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.